Bokartov, we are in Melachim Aleph, chapter Tetzain, verse 29, verse Kaftet. Okay, how did Achav, son of Omri, come to power? Very simple. Elah, son of Basha, was killed by Zimri. Uh, Zimri was not, a, was not a general Omri was a general Omri was accepted by the people Omri then laid siege to, to Zimri In the capital of Tirzah Zimri burnt it down on himself Omri then uh, was, tried to become king And then there was another guy Tivni ben Ginat Who was the competitor for power with Omri Tivni ben Ginat died Some say he died natural cause Some say he died a, He was killed Omri then consolidates his power He buys a place called uh, Shomron from a man called Shemer, named after the man named Shemer, and he makes that the capital city. Omri was the evil in the eyes of God, and he was uh, just like Yarovam, the, the original evildoer, he was the same, and uh, he died a natural death, and his son's name was Achav. Now Achav is a famous character in the Tanakh because he is going to be the king who has all interaction with Eliyahu Navi. Okay, so that's going to be very, very interesting, very interesting uh, storyline that we're about to enter. Actually, the, the saga of Eliyahu Navi. The translation here it says, Omri did was evil in the eyes of Hashem. He was more wicked than all who had preceded. All who had preceded him, exactly. Okay, so Omri was really bad. His son, Achav, is not going to be any better. Okay, Pasuk Kaftet, Achav ben Omri malach al Israel, Bishan Shalashim, Ushmanashana. Achab, son of Omri, was king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa's reign. Remember, all these kings are happening during the reign of Asa, of Asa king of Yehuda. And Achab was king over Shomeron, or, or over Israel in Shomeron, for 22 years. So between Omri, who lived a, a full life and died a natural cause, and Achab, who has a reign of 22 years, it's a in theory, it's a very long-lasting dynasty. It's not a good dynasty, but it's long-lasting. Okay? The son of Omri did evil in, in the eyes of God, worse than all who came before him. And as if it was not enough that he went in the ways of Yarovam, he did even worse. He took the daughter of the king of the Tzidonim named Baal. Her name was Izebel as a wife. And they went and they served the Baal and they bowed to him. So this is going to be, this Baal worship is going to be like the hallmarks of the Achav uh, kingdom in which he imports this Baal worship in a very significant way through his marriage to this lady called Izebel who is a rotten woman in the north. Uh, that we, they're I'm pretty sure they're in the north, uh, in modern-day Lebanon, I believe. Okay. Um, you could look it up, honestly, but I'm pretty sure they're in the north. Uh, Etbaal was the king, Izevel was her daughter, was his daughter, and they, these Sidonians, were Baal worshippers. So by marrying Izevel, he basically imported this Baal worship into Israel. And he created an, an altar for the Baal, Bet Baal, Asher Shomron, and he called it the House of Baal, and this was built in Shomron. So the capital city of the kingdom has a palace or a, a, a shrine for a god that's not Hashem. 
Would you believe that? You have the Beit HaMikdash in Yehuda, and then you have Beit HaBa'al in Shomron. Okay? That's what Achav does. Vayas Achav et HaAsherah. He also made the Asherah, which is a, a tree that's worshipped. Vayosef Achav la'asot le'achiset Adonai le'Yisrael. And he continued to anger God of, the God of Israel, mikol melchei Yisrael, from all the kings of Israel who were before him. Asher hayu lefanav. Be'yamav banachiel bet ha'eli et yiricho. And in his day, cryptic fasu coming, in his day, in the day of Achav, there was a man named Chiel from Bet El who built a city called Yericho. Now, before we even get to the end of the Pasuk, why would that be an issue? What's the problem with building Yericho? From Yehoshua. Uh, ah, exactly. What happened in Sefer Yehoshua? When it was destroyed, there was a vow that Yehoshua made, or there was a promise that Yehoshua made, that it would never be rebuilt. And Yehoshua also made as part of the vow. Anybody who tries to rebuild Yehoshua, anybody who tries to build Yericho, sorry, he's going to have to sacrifice, or meaning he's, it's going to come at the expense of his oldest son when he lays the foundation and his youngest son when he finishes putting up the doors. Meaning anybody who tries to rebuild Yericho, it's going to cost him that his sons are going to die. That was the promise that Yoshua made. So now we have in his day, in Achav's day, you have Chiel Bet Eli. he builds Yericho, Ba'aviram Bechoro Yiseda, with, and his son Aviram was killed in the laying of the foundation. And Seguv, his son, was killed when he laid the, put up the doors. Just like I promised or, or said through Yoshua bin Nun. Is that just like a random little side story they threw in here? So why, why, why would that be here? What is the... Let's read the note in the article, honestly. The story of Jericho is found in chapter 6 of the book of Joshua. After the fall of Jericho, Joshua decreed that neither it nor a city bearing its name shall be built in order that people would always remember the miracle in which the impregnable city was conquered. Oh, he said, okay, if you go to the next paragraph. Oh, here's the Pasuk. And Yoshua promised on that day, or he, made, he kind of made the people swear on that day. Curse is the person who... Gets up and builds this city at Yericho, the city of Yericho. With his eldest, he's going to lay the foundation, and with his youngest, he's going to put up its doors. Okay. Joshua decreed further that if anyone would attempt to rebuild the city, his firstborn would die and lay the foundation, and his youngest would die when he set up the gates. Ma'am Loez explains that a person builds a city because he wants his name to. What are the next paragraph? Okay. For 500 years, no one dared to rebuild Jericho. But now that Achav had demonstrated utter defiance to God without divine retribution, his close friend Chiel felt that he could ignore Joshua's curse. But he did more. Not only did he challenge God to carry out Joshua's curse, he stubbornly kept building even though his children were dying. Conversely, Chiel's fate is implied is a implied condemnation of Achav because even after seeing what happened to his friend the king did not desist from his own sinfulness as the sages have noted the wicked do not repent even on the threshold of Gehinom Gemara says that the wicked never repent it should be noted however that the prohibition of rebuilding Jericho is not cited by Rambam or the Shulchan Aruch which suggests that the prohibition no longer applies today 
The commentator is right that once the city has been rebuilt, it is permitted to live there and even rebuild it if it is later destroyed. Very interesting. So according to the halakha, the halakha of rebuilding Yericho is not found in the Rambam or in the Shulchan Aruch. And according to the Deen, if it gets rebuilt like it was rebuilt and today it's there again, then if it were to be destroyed, you're allowed to rebuild it and you're even allowed to make it a Jewish city. Very interesting. Okay, so what, what would be the symbolism here? The symbolism is that Am Yisrael seemed to be deviating away from the original uh, ways of Yoshua bin Nun. Meaning they're going as far as Yoshua bin Nun was like the closest thing Am Yisrael remembers to Moshe Rabin, right? So Yoshua is like the ultimate leader. And you may have a problem with the modern king of Yehuda in Asa. You say, okay, I don't believe in the modern king of Yehuda, but I still have allegiance to my ancestors. But the second you cut yourself off from your ancestors, you are really deviating from Yehudut. You're deviating from the way of our traditions. So the fact that this man is willing to violate the oath of Joshua, of Yoshua, is symbolic of how far Am Yisrael is going, that they don't even consider their ancestors to be their ancestors anymore. Meaning we don't consider ourselves to be descendants of Yoshua, of that same nation. We are a new nation, a new people, a people of uh, Baal worshippers. And that is our identity. Past, right? Yeah, many years have passed, past, but it's, a, it's as if someone gets up and say, I no longer, you know, related to like American I, I no longer today. believe in a uh, thing, in, in uh, the Rambam. He wasn't my rabbi, he wasn't the Jewish rabbi to me. I'm, 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 I'm a new Jew, different, okay? So that's how, that's how I, I at least see this whole story. There's an interesting radak. I'd like to read it because it provides interesting uh, nuance that you wouldn't have considered. The main issue with this Chiel story is that we're trying to tie it to the kingdom of the north, right? The kingdom of the north is represented, is, we're seeing how far they're straying as represented in the fact that Chiel is rebuilding Yericho. The problem is that Chiel seems to be from the south. And yeah. the whole, the, what that which we, which we said that Chiel was a friend of Achav is not in the text. That's by the Gemara. The Gemara says that he was a friend of Achav. So it's not, let's say, let's say we leave, leave that idea aside a second. I have a feeling Chachamim said that just to tie Chiel to Achav altogether, right? But putting that aside, the main issue that the Radak points out is that he, this is happening in the south. Mibet Elaya. And he was under the rule of Achav. And he did this and Achav did not um, reprimand him for it. And this is uh, symbolic of the wickedness. And, because, and until this day that nobody was, was brazen enough to violate the, the, the oath of Yahushua. But there is a question here. But Yericho is actually situated within the kingdom of Yehuda. Because it's technically in Binyamin's portion. And as Jay pointed out before, Binyamin was part of the southern kingdom of Yehuda. It was Binyamin, Shimon, and Yehuda, right? And Levi. So, so if Yericho is in the tribe of Binyamin, then, then it seems like this is more of a Yehuda kingdom issue, not a Achav issue. Why are we tying it to Achav and blaming Achav for all this? Mm. And then, honestly, at that point, you'd have to say that the fault falls on Yehoshaphat, who's the king of the south, right? But we found in the Yerushalmi, in Gemara Sanhedrin, in the Yerushalmi, Chiel, 
מיני הושפעת, יריחו מבנימין, אלא שמגלגלין זכות לדלת זכה וחובה על ידי חייו, לאחר שנבנתה לא נאסרה ישיבתה. אוקיי, דגמרא סאז אחיאל was actually from יהושפעת's area, and יריחו was in בנימין, but because אחאב is wicked and יהודה is not, אחאב gets the blame for this, and not, um, and not יהושפעת. Very interesting. And he doesn't really answer it. He, he brings up the question. He says, yeah, but the Achav was wicked, so we're blaming him. Megalgelin zechut al-yedeh zakai ve-chova al-yedeh chayav. I mean, scripture also puts the story in the middle of the story of Achav. Like, yeah, exactly. So the scripture is also uh, kind of doing that. Okay? Yeah, Asai, Yoshafat, both good kings. I'm going to print this and keep it in my... Because uh, every class I just keep it up here. Yeah, this, is a, this <laughs> list is very good. I think we should all print, I'll print a few copies. Yeah, print a few, print a few copies, copies and then bring it to class so we can constantly I track. Need a, I need to do it on a color printer also. So all right, should we do chapter? Should we start chapter your design? Yeah, with a few minutes. <clears throat> oh. And now Eliyahu Navi from the, the people who live in Gilad. Where's Gilad? Where's the area of the Gilad? It's actually on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Okay, at this time in Jewish history, we were all, both sides were considered Jewish, right? So it could be from Gilad and it would be you know, very normal, right? So Eliyahu had Tishbi from a city called Tishb or something, from, which was in the Gilad region on the eastern side of the Jordan River. He gets up and he's a Navi and he says to Achav, By the life of God, God of Israel, that I stand before him, there will no longer be rain in these years except by my word. Do and rain. Do and rain, except for my word. Now, fascinating Radak again. I know I just read you one Radak. Let me read you one more Radak. Why does Eliyahu Navi stand up and proclaim that there shouldn't be rain? So the Peshat is because he wants Ahab to learn a lesson. Ahab is literally building a temple to Baal. Completely straying from the Literally worship of God, so you need to wake him up. You need to work, wake him up because uh, he's not he's not following the way of God. So you, you stop the rain so that they become a thing. I mean, that's the whole uh, pretense of Mesechatani is whenever the Jewish people are sinning, Hashem. Right. The so there there is backstory that the that the that the midrash brings, which is very nice. Okay. And he says all these uh, opinions that say he was from this tribe or that tribe, Radak says they all try to attach it some, to some, prove it from some pasuk, which in my opinion is far-fetched. Radak speaking, not me. Uh, he says in my opinion is far-fetched and uh, I don't know where they got it from, but it could be any. We don't know the truth. We don't know which tribe. We don't know if he was Pinchas. We don't know if he's from God. We don't know if he was from Binyamin. I have no idea. And all of the proofs are not good, so we have no way, no way of knowing uh, which tribe Eliyahu Navi is from. Uh, and Eliyahu, he ordained that the rain should no longer fall. Because he, was, he wanted to bring vengeance for Hashem for the service of idols. And it, and it says in the Torah, And the Pasuk says that if you deviate from the way of Hashem, God is going to stop the rain. 
And he trusted Borei Olam is going to keep his word because God himself says in the Kriyat Shema that if you, if you serve other gods, he's going to stop the rain. And then it basically says a story that uh, here. Here, um, basically, whatever the the whole it's it's a long radak and I'm running out of time, so I'm getting uh, I'm getting flustered. But but he basically says that at the time the rain was still falling, and and Chiel after building the thing it was a very big sin, but the rain was still falling. So all of the people, like uh, the the wicked people, were saying, "Look, if you do bad things, God is not going to punish you." So Eliyahu jumped in and said, "No, you know what? The Torah says that the rain will not fall." I'm going to decree that the rain is not falling. So you want it to kind of like prove that there is divine retribution for evil acts. I mean, That's why he well, stepped up and he did Joshua's it. Joshua's curse also was proven to be true. It was true and it was. Uh, else, children died. Yeah. As it was. We'll analyze this more tomorrow, I guess.